We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Hi, I'm Yui Shu. And I'm Julie Kraftchik. We're active daters turned dating sociologists. Here to dive into everything modern dating and relationships. Welcome. Welcome to the Dateable Podcast. Congratulations to all of us for being back for season 18 of Dateable Podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we want to make this very inclusive. You are also part of this season launch. We are well into the double digits, about to hit 20 seasons. Wow, that's so nuts. 18 seasons. People always ask this question, have you been doing Dateable for 18 years? No, we have about two seasons per year. So it's been about nine years, which is true. Nine years is still a long time. You know, I feel like, what is it like your 10,000 hours to become an expert? We're long past that 10,000 hours. Not to say that we're not continuously learning because we are. I think you're never a full expert. Everything helps, but we've put in a lot of hours. That's for sure. I mean, to think when we started this, we were babies. Clueless. You were in your early 30s. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was almost mid 30s just thinking, oh my gosh, we got to figure out dating. Little did we know that nine years later, nobody has dating figured out. (laughs) I mean, that's crazy to think. I know, like, obviously, we've been doing this for nine years, but I'm not sure if it's hit me like that it was almost a decade ago when we started. So that means we were 10 years younger than we are today. And that means I was like, what, like 31, 32? Like, yeah, like I was pretty young. You were a baby. We met 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Just about 10 years ago, nine years ago. And that's how this started. It's funny, though, because you would think like by 30, like, I think that's just like a common perception, like by 30, you should have it figured out because it's like, by 30, you should get married. And I definitely did not have it figured out. I won't speak for everyone else, but I'll speak for myself that I clearly did not have it figured out at 30. Like how much (laughs) I know we've changed and learned from doing this stuff I never knew back then. That's for sure. I moved to San Francisco in, I think I was like 33. And I came in as an elder. I remember like walking around the city being like, I am an elder in the city. Everybody must listen to my wisdom, you know, because everybody was in their mid to late 20s. That's what the city really attracts traditionally. 
And now looking back, I was such a baby. I didn't know. I mean, like that was an elder. I think that's definitely just like the perception, right? Because like when you're in the age, you think you're like the oldest, but that's actually like yeah. not reflective of the city. But that's like your subset of the city, right? Of whatever right. city you're in. It's not just SF. I'm sure like anyone would be like, oh, I remember when I was at work, I just remember feeling like I was... I don't know, my first job, I was like by far the youngest, but I remember like thinking everyone else was like my age and then realizing like they weren't. You just get such like in this one tunnel of everything being relative to you, you know? Mm, Yeah, definitely. But San Francisco in general is a younger city. I mean, for for the tech talent. So I do remember like first year going to these house parties and meeting kids straight out of college or just a few years out of college. And I, I was did like, not have that experience as much let as you Let me tell did. you. Let me tell you about your future. I feel Looks like, bleak. yeah, I feel like I did not have that experience as much as you did. I know you've like mentioned that before, but we were at different parties back I know. then. But I, also I was older than you and your friend group. So I always was That's just true. like the older one in all the groups. So I just constantly felt like, am I the, am I the ceiling? <laughs> like... Am I getting aged out of the city? I just moved here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, again, it's all relative to you, right? Yeah, Yeah, I guess maybe that's it. Like I had friends that were older than me. Mm -hmm. I don't know, and younger. So it kind of felt balanced. But no matter what age you are, everybody wants to know how they can get better at dating. Right. Everything (laughs) that we do in terms of finding love is about getting better at dating. There's a reason why we've had this podcast for 18 seasons, (laughs) nine years. It's the topic that never ends, that's for sure. And I think, yeah, like we've been fed for so long that there's ways to date, like there's rules to follow. There's even just like the unwritten rules. Like we might be like, oh yeah, we're past that stage. We're not following rules. But I think subconsciously they all persist. Right. I was talking about like a recent episode we did. This guy was like, you didn't hear from me for three days that you can assume I'm not interested. Like where did that come from? You know? Right. There are these unwritten rules that everyone has. And people treat dating like a sport. Yeah. If you know the right technique and foundations and the tricks and hacks and strategies, then you can win at dating. Is that the case? Can you be really good at dating? You know what's funny is that in relationships, you're only looking for one most of the time, unless you're poly, but most monogamous staters are just looking for one. It's not a competition of how many relationships you can have. In fact, it's actually almost like if you have less and it just works, then you have one. Mm -hmm. But in dating, it's all about like lining up as many dates as possible and prospects as possible. Why is there such an emphasis on just the more mentality in dating where that actually isn't correlated to anywhere else in life and even in love? (laughs) That's exactly the point of why we're doing this episode. (laughs) The bigger question we're really trying to answer is, do you need to be good at dating in order to get into a healthy, sustainable relationship? I don't think you do. I really don't. (laughs) I think like actually that's something that from doing this podcast, and that sounds weird coming from a dating expert. It's still weird to say that, but that's, you know, (laughs) quote unquote, we are dating experts. Nine years. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like 
Okay, I want to caveat it. There are some things that you need to be good at. I think you need to be good at basic social interactions and relational skills and relating to others and all of that. But I don't think you need to get good at dating the way we think we need to get good at dating. I think the acts that so many people are focused on are actually missing the big picture of what matters. Like when we've talked to daters, like just the amount of emphasis on your profile and on like the perfect opening line. Of course, you need a profile to attract people. I'm not saying just put up like one photo and call it a day. Like you need to have a steady in-stream of people, but just the constant manipulation of it. Like you need to just make sure like you're not scaring off people completely with bladed things that you're just not under your purview. But the constant tweaking and this like emphasis on what should I say is my opening line. Yeah. All of that, they're not skills that you need in a relationship. And I think by focusing so much on that, we lose track of the actual conversation and what we want to be, you know, getting to know that other person and connecting. I feel like in today's world, we're so disconnected, yet all we want is connection. And I want to see if there's another viewpoint to this, because I agree, and this is something we've been preaching on this podcast, you don't need to be good at dating in order to get in a relationship. But is there something that supports that statement that you do need to be good at dating mm -hmm. to get into a sustainable, healthy relationship? And I wonder if we can take the viewpoint of if you're good at dating, then you enjoy dating more, Yeah, which puts you into a better mindset that attracts a suitable partner. Because when you're not good at dating, you do get burnt out. Right. You just get very defeated and exhausted from dating, which then doesn't put you in a very good headspace to be in a relationship. So that would be the argument I would give for being good at dating. So maybe that's actually the defining moment is what is the definition of being good at dating? Mm. I think when I think of being good at dating, it's like getting a lot of dates and, you know, always being out and with new people. Yeah. But maybe that's not the definition of being good at dating. Maybe the definition of being good at dating is, you know, feeling at ease, enjoying each connection, like all of that. In that case, I think you actually should get good at dating because it helps you learn more about other people. It helps you reflect on what you need. I think it's the constant like cycle of dating and the game playing and all the stuff we've been taught by bad dating advice and, you know, the dating industry. I think that's what's detrimental. But maybe the stuff like we preach on this podcast, like actually being a good dater could set you up to be in that healthy relationship because you've been able to practice and learn those relational skills. Right. That's a good point. But when you ask most daters who's good at dating, what defines a good dater, they probably say the former, which yeah. is someone who has a ton of matches, yep. someone who goes on dates all the time, someone who has a lot of options. I think back to our episode with my friend Brooke, who went mm -hmm. on thousands of Tinder dates. I think about the Man Funnel episode. Yep. I think about all of these people who had a strategy for getting people into their funnel and somehow having the best ones bubble up to the top and then they choose their final rows. Yeah. Right? Like that, that's what we think being good at dating is. But when you look at even my friend Brooke, who went on thousands of Tinder dates, the person she ended up marrying was not from Tinder. It was a night off from dating. Right. She went right. to she went out with some friends and he just happened to be there and she really liked him. He was nothing that she was looking for on a dating app. In fact, he didn't even live in the same 
city, but they totally hit it off. So did the thousands of Tinder dates lead to this man? I don't I don't know. I would argue probably not. <laughs> well, I think that's the question, right? Like, is it that she got comfortable with herself, knew what she was looking yes. for because of those yes. dates? Or was it that she was finally out of the date mindset and she was just connecting right. with another human being? I don't know if we'll ever know that. And I'm not sure if she could even like tell. It's kind of one of those things that's hard to tease apart. I think. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting because like I definitely have friends that met their partners like in college, right? And they've been with the mm -hmm. same partner pretty much since then. And they haven't really had a lot of dating experience. And mm -hmm. even my partner like didn't have a ton of dating experience before me. But like, would you say that that person like they clearly figured out how to get into healthy relationships without like necessarily being on hundreds and thousands of dates? So I don't think it's like you need to do it to get there. I think you can actually get into this headspace of like always wanting what's next and what's more when you have a lot of daily experience. But then on the flip side, do yeah. you know what you're looking for? Do you know yourself? I don't know. Everything's so individual too. Yeah, the energy is so important. Do you go on dates wanting to slay that date so you get a second date or you make this person fall in love with you? Or do you go on a date with the purpose of wanting to connect and learn about someone new? Those two energies are so completely different. I think about my friend who was in a 10-year relationship, went back on the dating scene, had never really dated before because he was with someone for 10 years. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just really, yeah. I just think everyone's so interesting and so curious. Right. And he found his next girl girlfriend pretty soon after because right I mean his girlfriend was like he was so different he actually that's how asked I felt. me questions yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's how I felt he was my curious yeah. and interested in who I was and he wasn't trying to date a thousand people at once here's a guy who really sucked at dating he even said I suck at dating was able to get into a really great relationship with a great woman because he was just genuinely curious no I mean I think that is a thing that like you know some people that are good in relationships aren't necessarily good at dating because I do think there are different skill sets. And yes. I'm not saying that like if you're if you haven't found yourself in relationships, you're like doomed and you're going to just be in this forever dater bucket. But I think taking like the relational skills of a relationship and applying them to dating could really help because like, you know, for the people that I mentioned that maybe didn't have as much dating experience, I don't think they overthought it as much. Yeah. Because they didn't even know what to like overthink. They weren't analyzing the text messages and like all the stuff that we do or even just like getting jaded and feeling like hopeless about it because it just wasn't something that they repeatedly experienced. I think it's normal if you've gone on all these dates and it doesn't work out to like feel this way and want to protect yourself. But if you haven't had that experience, it's easier to like give lovingly. Yeah. But like even if you've had the years of dating, like how do you remove that shield a little and give like you would in a relationship? And it's tied to your dating why? Why is it that you're dating in the first place? If you're dating why is to get as many people into your funnel as possible right. so you can have your own version of The Bachelor, Godspeed, do that. <laughs> But if you are like most of people who date, you want to find connection and possibly get into a relationship, then 
Who cares if you're like trying to win that second date with someone who's not interested? Then you kind of right. brush that off. Then you're like, I don't need to be good at dating. I just need to be good at being on a path that's right for me. And that may not be being an expert dater. Where do you think it comes from, though? Because I don't think people consciously are like, I want to fill my funnel and be on The Bachelor. Like, I think it's coming from this feeling of I really want to be with someone. I want to, you know, protect myself and not find myself empty handed. So I'm going to like play this numbers game and just get more and more people in so someone will work out. I don't think it's coming from a place of trying to like game the system, but more like trying to get to your end goal and thinking that's the way. Yeah, it's probably at the outset of technology. It's how they sold the dating app. So you can have thousands of people at your fingertips and all of a sudden daters thought, oh, great <laughs> options, choices. <laughs> And that's probably where it came from. And then you have this influx of like these dating game shows where people always want to win and yeah. it's like a pageant. They want to win the pageant. So I think it came from a little bit of that. And also just like our innate competitive behavior. Back in the day, you didn't know what your options were. So you weren't trying to compete for someone. You're just like, okay, this person seems interested. Great. Now you can see the options on your phone of all the people who are interested back. Right. Then you're like, fuck, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to get competitive and I'm going to try to win. The like it becomes so gamified yeah. at that point, because I think it plays into some of our own desires to be wanted. Yeah. I mean, there are studies on Tinder and stuff like the it's a match screen when you get matched. There's like yes. that dopamine hit. Right. And yes. more people. Instead of doubling down and talking to your match, yes. you're like, who else could I match with? Can yes. I get another one? And they're designed that way. Like it's designed to keep Correct. you on the hook. And I think it takes consciously being like, I'm not going to fall for that, you know? And I'm going to actually use dating apps as the example to like connect with someone. But I think it's all parts of dating, not just dating apps. That's like the clear one. But I think even in just like going to the actual date, we think we need to put on this like date self front. Mm -hmm. I know for years I was in the serial dating mode that I was just going on date after date. And it was again, it wasn't like a malicious thing or anything. I was just like, mm -hmm. you know, first of all, I liked the validation. I liked that I was getting dates for the first time in my oh, life. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm getting a lot of people interested. So that was good. And then also it was kind of like, well, I don't really know if this one's going to go anywhere. So I got to like just keep going and something will stick the whole numbers game mentality but I remember like my best friend just being like I don't understand why nothing sticks for you mm. you're a very social person and easy to talk to but I wasn't showing up that way like I was being this resume version of myself or trying to be like feminine or like do all the stuff that like you're told that you're supposed to act in dating yeah. and I think that was totally messing with me well, back in the day, as an elder, speaking <laughs> again, before the apps, you showed up on dates not as a surprise because you've already met this person before. Mm -hmm. There's like rapport that's already been built. You weren't hiding yourself before going on this date with them. Most likely your colleagues, friends, classmates, et cetera, neighbors. But now because you have this chance to show up as whoever you want, I think it plays into our fantasy yeah. of being like, I can be the best version of myself. I don't know what that is, but I'm going to bring the best version that society tells me that I should bring. So we end up playing these tricks where we trap people. I like, I seriously think these are 
cons that we do. <laughs> we trap them from our profile or our text messages because we're so witty and funny. And then we show up as our true selves. And then what? Then what happens? Yeah. We never thought about what happens <laughs> after the meet because you're going to have to show your actual self. It's just like the profile photos we choose. We've seen this so often with daters, yeah. it's like the aspirational shot. Like I remember reviewing one guy's profile and talking to him and being like, okay, you're climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or some major mountain in this photo. Is this something that's like really important to you and a partner? Like, is this something you do often? How much of an impact is mm. this? Because it is a little intimidating to someone that might not be, you know, prime athletic adventure type. And if this is core to you, then keep it. And if it's not, maybe we should reevaluate. And the guy was like, oh, I did this like once six years ago and yeah, I like don't right. really even hike anymore. And I'm like, then don't include it. I know it's cool. Like I know you look awesome doing it, but like this isn't getting you to the right partner for you. It's just like a resume builder. Yeah. Before we get into this more, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC. THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use a code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use a code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. 
If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. Okay, so the industries are so interesting because I pursued acting in New York for many years. Mm -hmm. And so you go in with a headshot, right? (laughs) And through the headshot, the casting director would then choose who they want to see in person. And then in person, they're going to interview you. Maybe they'll ask you about your hiking and whatever skills that you may have. And most of us will fib a little bit. But that's to get a job. You know, maybe it's a one day shoot, Mm -hmm. a TV show, a commercial. It is fucking temporary. Dating, we (laughs) act in the same way to get a job. But that job is where you have to show up that way forever. Like This is long term. We can't apply the same skills to trick the casting director, which is your date, because this is like not a job. This is life. Yeah. I mean, even other jobs like that you have to go to day in, day out. Like if you showed up and you were like listed this one aspirational skill that you did one time or you barely did. And then they were like, great, we're going to have you do that every day now. It'd be like, fuck, I can't keep up this, right? It only works if you're going to see someone temporary. And that's why I think we have so much turnover in dating. Because like yes. you can't keep up this facade if you've been going on it. Or it's not even keeping up a facade always. Because I think sometimes, like I had a friend once that like included her marathon running photo. And it's not like that's not her. But it's just like, is that the most accurate representation of like doing life with you? Are you running marathons all the time? Yeah. Like, maybe you did at one point. But like I did have marathons at one point in my life. But I would not say that that's a feature that's important to me one current day. But also I need a partner. Yes. And if you think about it, if everyone is guilty of this, we are all presenting ourselves in an inauthentic way, thinking that it pleases the other person. So end of the day, we're just two people duping each other on right. a date. <laughs> Does that really make sense? Like, I'm going to tell you, Julie, what I think you want to hear. And you're going to tell me what you think I want to hear. Yeah. But we're actually not sure what the other person really wants. <laughs> You're just two representatives. Yeah. And it's not even like, oh, I'm saying something about myself. I think it's how you're carrying yourself, your energy, what you're withholding. Yes. There was a long time that I was like, oh, I shouldn't talk about my career because women like, you know, that's just too much on a date. Like I didn't want to be too much. So I would just like pull back of who I was. And then like, I know for me, I feel like when I actually started having relationships, it was because I was just showing up as who I was. And that was like a huge pivotal moment for me. Like my most serious adult relationship, which was like around the time that we had this podcast, like in my early 30s, I think I we had like one breakup when we first met, but I was like still in this on and off again period with him. Yeah. Anyways, I bet him 
in a more organic setting. It was like through a brunch when I was doing 500 brunches and it was through a brunch with his brother. And I like didn't even like I thought he was attractive. I wasn't looking at him in a date way. So I was just being natural. And I remember him being like, oh, you're flirting with me. He's like, oh, I could tell you were interested in me. And I'm like, oh, I was just being myself. You know, like I was being like you to like everyone else too. But I'm glad you picked up on that whatever but like it's just i think if i was in a date setting in that i would have been like way more forced than i was in that natural setting it's an important point to make is that if you show up as your most authentic self then you will attract the people who want to be with you yeah in turn making the date a really great one if you're talking to a suitable partner but you don't have to be good at getting everyone to like you back which is like the good at dating part Because then you're going to attract people who aren't going to be on board with the authentic you. There is no point in that. So in your examples, like you weren't even trying, but to him, you presented yourself in the best light possible to him. Right. And that was what was most attractive. But you did not have to try to be that because that is just who you are. Yeah. And I think you learned it through the experiment with Andrew that we did. That was like (laughs) your pivotal moments of like... I learned so hard. (laughs) I learned so hard from that one. It's just, you know, refresh. I went on a blind date for an episode of ours and I thought I crushed the date because I was so funny and witty and it was so interesting. And in the middle of the date, he's a professional poker player, by the way, Andrew. In the middle of the date, he interrupts me. He's like, you know, I would like to grab another drink, but Only if you promise to show who you truly are. And he's like, I like this facade. You're very entertaining, but I know this is not the real you. Totally call me out. And so ever since then, it helped me really reflect because I was duping men left and right, I realized. You know, I was always the entertainer. I was like the one showing up just about five minutes late to have a little bit of mystery. And I had some crazy (laughs) story to tell them about my day. And then I had this crazy background to tell, like, you know, I was in New York and I was in Beijing. I had the whole spiel. And then we'd be like, oh, you're so interesting. And three dates later, I'm like, so you want to be in a relationship? And they're like, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) How do you make the switch so fast? How do you go from like the casual, cool, interesting chick to all of a sudden being like, do you want to double down on me or not? (laughs) That was always a switch I made. And it was like blindsiding to people. They felt like you're two different sides. I never even saw this side before. Well, I think it's like the connecting side isn't there. And that's why the switch is so much. It's like, yes, we're putting on the show, this feeling. And I'm sure where it came from for you is like, this is how you're supposed to date. This is what dating is like. I need to present myself. I need to put on my best face and impress. We hear this all the time. I can say the worst dates I've been on is when someone just talked at me the entire time. Yes. But to them, yes. they're probably like, I'm showing them all the good stuff yeah. about me. But you're like, yeah. no, this isn't like someone I'd have a relationship with. And maybe it's interesting no. in the night. But then yes. after that night, you're like, nah, you're not even like thinking of them that way. I mean, what is it like the most interesting person is like someone who listens, right? So it's, it's like, if most you're just, interested. Yeah, it's like, if you're just the one that is constantly showing like you don't invite that back and forth. Well, the problem with dating is that people go on these dates all the time where there's no connection, but the person's interesting. So the date ends up being five, six hours. Yeah. 
And you walk away being like, oh, such a great date because it lasted so long. We closed the place down. But it's not always indicative. It was a great date. It was just like you were entertained. It was interesting. Or you wanted to get to know more about this persona that you met. But it doesn't mean that you want to spend a Sunday with this person doing nothing. Right. I mean, that's the part that's so interesting about it. I know. I know, but then that person's like, I'm really fucking good at dating. Every right. date I go on is eight hours. Right. It's a marathon. <laughs> right. We shut the place down. Why is it that nobody wants to be in a relationship with me? Well, it's probably because you are a stand-up comic and you're selling tickets to your show. Yeah. Everybody wants to go to your show, but nobody wants to have a relationship with a stand-up comic. Let's be real. <laughs> I mean, the only case for being good at dating, I'm just like thinking back. Like, I feel like I was good at dating in that serial dating phase uh-huh. because I got comfortable. And yes. good at dating did not translate to being in a relationship because I never got into relationships. It was like always that like third date curse right. and I just like never hear from them again. But <laughs> I got like good enough that I could make it to the three dates and that people like were mm-hmm. interested in that capacity, but they weren't interested in going further. But that being said, I do think it helped me just get more comfortable with myself yes. and be around men and you know anyone whoever you're attracted to but like for me it was men and I think because I do describe myself as a late herb bloomer I think it was like good to have that practice and I mean even with hookups and stuff too I feel like while that didn't lead me to a relationship it did get me more like confident and like made me feel good so yeah there was clearly some downsides of being in like friends with benefit situations and situationships or dates that didn't expand of course that took a hit to your ego But I think you could also see the flip side that it did help you develop as a person and eventually get to where you need to go. I want to dive into this even more. But before we do, let's take a quick break to hear from our partners. This episode is sponsored by Fleur. You know on the show, we're all about finding you different avenues to meet new people and find the right apps for you, especially if you're the type of person who wants to explore your sexual side and desires a bit more. Fleur is a sex-positive dating app that prioritizes women's desires. Hell yeah. Sex is not something to be ashamed of. It's probably one of the most essential components of a relationship. Yet, especially for women, there's so much shame around the topic. So we love that with Fleur, you can explore yourself in your desires with other like-minded people. And that's the key. We love how open-minded Fleur is. Whether it's for one-night stands, friends with benefits, sexting, no-strings-attached encounters, or long-term relationships. There are no forbidden desires, only mandatory respect and consent. So one of my friends tried Fleur the other day, and she absolutely loved how it felt more like a party than a dating app. She also found it fun to play the Fleur Sparks game, which is a card game in the chats that helps people on the app learn more about each other in a way that feels a bit more lighthearted and fun. So if you're looking for a new avenue that sparks passion or you just want to try something new, definitely visit Fleur.com or download Fleur in the App Store because pleasure awaits. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. (laughs) Wait, There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. 
and feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It prepped you yes. for relationships. It didn't prep you to be in a relationship. Yes. Right? But it prepped you to be confident enough to get into a relationship or at least start one, which I think is very important. And I also emphasize the point that it is important for people to have relationship experience, whether you're good at dating or not. It's extremely important because then later in life, you never know what could happen. If you find yourself back in the dating scene again, you're not as like, I wonder what's out there or I wonder what I'm going to do this time because you've already done it. And I feel like because I did the majority of my dating in my 20s and early 30s, the last two breaks that I had, I didn't feel compelled to date a million people Yeah, because I've already done that. I don't need to think about that. I can just be more discerning with who I date. I agree. I think that's like actually very spot on. So maybe it's, again, this isn't one size fits all for everyone because some people never have to go through this period. So people correct, just, correct. Yes. you know, like I think you always need to develop like social skills. I feel like if you don't yes. have that going on, then dating is going to be hard. So we'll yes. caveat to say, even if you haven't had a ton of dating experience, think about your relationships outside of dating with friends, with family members, whoever, and like hone in on how you act with them with dates that will give you a leg up from day one. But I think for the people that have had that period, because a lot of us have, instead of thinking like, oh, it harmed me, think about like, how has it actually helped me? Because I agree with you of this, like, yeah, of course, if every time you just keep repeating the same pattern over and over again, that's not a recipe for success. Like if you can learn from it, Mm -hmm. because I had the same experience as you, UA, of like when the last couple times when I actually had partners, I wasn't dating a ton. Mm -hmm. My current partner, like I was dating a few people before him. When you met him. Yeah, but I wasn't even dating someone at the exact same time. Like whoever it was had like run their course and then I was on to the next person. I wasn't like filling up my calendar so much that I had all these dates that were competing for him. But then like because I had dated enough and I had relationships, I knew a good thing when I saw it. Right. So I think that was important. But I think, yeah, if I was like filling up my calendar, like maybe I would have always been looking for that little red flag or the little imperfection and then trying to find what's next. I think that is the detriment detriment of maybe getting good at dating too. Hopefully getting good at dating just means honing in on what you're looking for. Hopefully that's what it means for people. But if you are, so let's present this scenario, Julie, if someone is self-professed good at dating, but bad at getting into relationships and they want to get into relationship, what are some changes they can be making today to make that shift? I think less is more. I think that's a big one. You know, like we think it's a numbers game. Of course, you need to meet people. We're not saying like, don't meet people. If you meet one person a year, the odds are not in your favor. But you don't need to be stacking up your calendar. Give one person a chance at a time and like let the relationship, whether it's like a week or two weeks or a month, play out before you move on to the next. Because then you're like allowing yourself to connect with the person. And even if it's not your forever person, at least you know that you gave it a try. I think that to me was like such a better headspace than like balancing all these people, forgetting their information, never really letting it like play out with anyone. I think that's the cycle of like perpetual dating that gets people so burnt out. 
So slowing down Absolutely. is a big one, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? Shift your focus from being good at dating to being good at being yourself. <laughs> yeah. you know, like that, those two are not synonymous. And think about how do I show up on this date being really fucking good at just being who yeah, I am? That's the measure. <laughs> and then you'll start filtering out the people who are not right for you if your goal is to get into a relationship and stop giving yourself rewards for being good at dating. Because I know a lot of yeah. people who are like, oh, I got, you know, 200 matches a day or I got like, like, oh man, I'm so busy this weekend. I have dates lined up. Get those thoughts out of your head because think, are these feeding into my goal of being mm -hmm. into a relationship? Probably not. Are they feeding into my ego? Yes. Yeah. So if that is the answer for you, then stop giving yourself those mental rewards and start rewarding yourself for showing up as your authentic self. Like for me, it was baby steps. Yeah. Showing up and voicing my needs like, oh, do you mind if we switch tables? I really want to sit near the window. Even something as small as that to me was like, okay, at least like I'm being myself and not so worried about how yeah. I'm being perceived. Yeah, no, that's definitely stopping a dating chameleon and like wanting everyone yeah. to love you. Like it doesn't matter. It's not a popularity contest. No, it's not. I think the other major shift is treating every date like a partner. Like we treat dates mm. as disposable right now. Yes. We've talked about this before. We don't even put their names in our phones because we assume yeah. we'll never see this person again. I was yeah. guilty of that for years. Like what a terrible way to enter a date. Like that's horrible. But if you look at this person, like think about how you are in a relationship. You're a team. Yeah. Of course, you're not like sacrificing your own needs, but you are accounting for their needs too. And like trying to get to know this person as a human being, listening to them, making them feel comfortable, all the stuff that brings someone closer to you. You're not just talking at them and reciting right. your resume and, you know, thinking about like, what can I get at all times from this interaction, which we do in dating. All so I would say like thinking about it that way. And I get it. You're trying to protect yourself. You don't really know this person, but just putting yourself out there in that capacity could make all the world of difference. And if you don't see this person again, it's not like we're not saying like you have to tell your whole life story and like trauma dump everything that's happened, but you can at least know you were behaving in the way that you would in a relationship and putting right. your best foot forward that way. I don't think that's actually as vulnerable as we think it is. Yeah. Dates are so complex because we're playing two roles. One is the enemy and one is the person trying to win the other person yeah. over. And those are very contradictory to each other. On one hand, you're like me versus you, prove to me you're good enough. And the other hand, we're like, please like me. Yeah. Please ask me how to get so confusing. <laughs> That's why we leave dates so fucking drained because yeah. it's like, oh, my God, I have to be multiple characters and multiple expectations. But if you come in just one character, which is not even a character, it's just you, then it's simple. And, you know, like you don't have to try go that extra mile to be something yeah. that you're not. And what I always think about is like, just be curious. That is like the only thing you need to be is just be curious on the state. In that book that Julie and I are both reading, the Arthur Brooks Design Your mm -hmm. Design Your Perfect Life. I don't know. No, design Your Life. Like life Happiness or something. Yeah, yeah, something. Designing Your Life. Well, he co-authored this with Oprah, but he talks about the me self and the I self. And the I self is how you see the world. And the me self is how other people perceive you. Daters always bring the me self onto mm -hmm. dates. How am I? being perceived 
just go back into your I self, like give yourself this check in of like, is this the I self right now? Am I coming in, perceiving this person, getting to know them and seeing this person through my eyes? Then you're going to be just a a much more peaceful state than being the me self. I think this curiosity too is important because it gets you out of overthinking. Because I think this is actually like a huge problem for people that have been dating for a very long time. Like one, you are waiting for the ball to drop in a way. Yeah. Because it's been the past experience. So like you kind of need to investigate everything instead of just being like, I'm going to see how it unfolds. And it's hard. I really struggle with this, like the state of ambiguity. Like I think learning to get more comfortable with that. And yeah, it's not going to be forever. Let's say like you think someone's ghosting you. Like you're going to figure it out like within a day or two if they actually are. But if you sit there staring at your phone, That is just like not a good use of time. And like, if they are going to ghost you, how do you have this mindset? This actually wasn't the right person for me instead of, oh my God, like, you know. So I think that is a big difference too, maybe of the people that haven't been tainted by dating as much, is that they just don't even know to do this because they haven't had those experiences. And it's hard for us. I'll speak for someone that definitely was like this. Like, it's hard to not do this, but I don't think it's actually the best use of time. And it's only like hindering your success dating instead of helping you and having more of like a, and I'm not saying this to be like naive, but more of this, like, I'm not going to write people off immediately or a guilty proven till innocent type of mentality. I think someone that maybe hasn't been tainted, like if they don't hear back for someone for an hour, they're just like, oh, they're busy. They're not thinking like, oh, it's something because of me or they're no longer interested mm. or whatever. Yeah, because that's just wasted energy. It is. Isn't it? It is. You're, You're spinning your wheels. All of us are running on batteries that will eventually run out of gas. It's not like we have infinite energy all the time. So you have to be really discerning with how you spend that energy and who you spend that energy on. And if you're like, ruminating, overthinking on something that is so not deserving of your energy, that's your reason. That's the reason why you're so exhausted and burnt out and you're installing the apps and installing them again. It's because you haven't managed your energy. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about at the top of like what makes a good dater, right? Mm -hmm. Like a good dater is someone that like, you know, feels comfortable at ease, Mm -hmm. is looking to meet new people and enjoy the company of others versus like the good data that racks up all the matches. If you are constantly preoccupied, then it's going to be hard to be that type of good data that actually could help propel you forward. Right. Okay. So I guess having this conversation, (laughs) what is our outcome? Have we changed our tune a little? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) You don't. You don't need to be good at dating to get into a relationship. I mean, I think my my tune maybe has changed a little that you need to change oh. your definition of what good at dating there means. Maybe that's sure. what it is. Like, how can you act in ways that are always bringing forward connection instead of disconnection? I think historically being good at dating, playing games, withholding interest, all that shit, that's disconnection. Mm-hmm. If anything you're doing, if you can look at it through that lens, is this bringing me towards connecting or away from it? I think that can help you be a good dater and then ultimately be someone that gets into a relationship. I agree. And maybe it's like figuring out what is it that you ultimately want. Yes. And then doing the things that will get you there. 
And just know that being good at dating doesn't necessarily get you to a relationship, but it can prep you for one. Yeah. It can get you into the confidence and the self-assurance for a relationship. Maybe it fills your cup so you can be ready for a relationship to know that you can link your actions to a result Mm -hmm. and be very realistic about that. It's also changing your metrics too. We get caught up in the Mm. vanity metrics, right? In the world we live in, in like Instagram likes, followers, all the shit, quantity. Who cares? Who cares? It's more about like, what if the metric is, was I myself on this date? Did I have fun on this date? Did I connect with this person on this date? Yeah. Did I listen well on this date? Like those are the metrics we should be concerned about, not the number of matches or dates we're going on. Would I want to hang out with this person again? Not would they want to hang out with me again? Or would I want to date myself? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) that's a good question. Okay. That might be a a deeper (laughs) question than just a metric, but exactly. How do we measure what success means? And it's not based on how many people love you, follow you, want to go on second dates with you, unless if you want to be a cult leader. Yeah. I think this is the perfect metric for you. Uh, Or an influencer, one of the two. Same thing, right? (laughs) I think they're the same. (laughs) Same, same. Well, this has been a great discussion. I love diving into this stuff because this is what we're going to do a little more this season, whether it's by ourselves or with guests. We want to really like think about like what are these overarching, you know, ways that we've been told to date that aren't actually helping us and like how do we date differently? So you'll see it'll be a recurring theme and give us your feedback. Tell us what you think. Was this a fruitful convo? What else would you have added? Share it all. Five stars, please, in Apple Podcasts. And we appreciate all of those ratings and reviews. And you can also email us, hello at datablepodcast.com with any topic suggestions, or you can DM us on Instagram at datablepodcast is our handle. Thanks for tuning in to our season opener for season 18 from your elder daters. You're welcome. <laughs> is that or our maybe brand I'll just now? Speak for, my- <laughs> speak for yourself. Maybe I'll just speak I'm for just myself. Yeah. <laughs> from your one elder dater and no, the other. I'm like, what, two years younger than you? <laughs> Not that much. <laughs> With that, we're going to wrap up this fabulous episode. Stay Dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Media Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Dateable Podcast and visit datablepodcast.com for access to all the episodes and our premium programs. Also, make sure to subscribe today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so you are the first to get all the latest episodes. And most importantly, stay dateable. Thank you.